You are now tuned in to the True Say Podcast, unpacking age-old questions and concepts we reflexively ignore. In this podcast, we're going to revisit topics to help make the critical connections you may have overlooked. Think Quentin Tarantino meets 60 Minutes, where we start at the end and finish at the beginning. Except, in this podcast, we only need 43. I am your host, True Say. Join me as I provide you with a modern perspective. Let's get started. Actually, before we unpack today's topic, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank my sponsors at Bean Bundle, Canada's newest coffee subscription. It's been great. Ever since I stumbled on this service, I've been able to put my mocha pot to good use with beans they sent me from legitimate roasters across the country. Bean Bundle makes it so easy for people like me who are trying to find their particular roast but don't know where to start. The process is super quick. Just visit beanbundle.com, choose the amount of coffee you want on a monthly basis, medium roast, dark roast, whatever your flavor, and they ship you different beans from their latest roster of roasters on a monthly basis. Best part about being from the sixth side is if you live in Canada, they ship to you absolutely free. And if you sign up using code TRUESAY25, you'll save 25% off your subscription. Now, if you've been rocking with the True Save podcast, listen for your cue to get your hot brew provided by Bean Bundle ready, and let's get into it. No one man should have all that power. Clock's ticking, I just count the hours. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the True Save podcast. I'm your host, True Say. That was a little flavor, a little different intro, a little different start to the True Say podcast. Um, I felt it was fitting, given the topic that we're discussing today, given power is going to be what I muse about with you over the next 43 minutes. Um, And it's really interesting because I think a lot of the time we all kind of just assume our roles and are given positions in life based on whether it be our family dynamic whether it be by institutionalization, whether it be by sheer lethargy or lack of energy, we assume roles in society and we believe that our position is determined by the powers that be, you know, those who are external to us. And then what I've been thinking about a lot this week is about exactly that. Where does the power come from? Who gives it to certain people? Why do certain people are in power and why do they exact it in different ways? So, as you all know, in every edition of the Tuesday podcast, we always start at the end and finish at the beginning. So once again, the end being modern day, I'm going to jump right into what I'm talking about when I say power in a modern traditional sense. And towards, I guess you can say the latter half or the latter portion of this edition, I'm going to talk about some of the early beginnings of this whole power concept and how there are examples in literature, examples in history of people who have gone about designing algorithms or instructions for how you can go about maintaining said power or how you can go about taking it by force or by a variety of means. And I'm hoping we can kind of use that as a way to juxtapose and rationalize how different it is today in terms of how power is um, how power is accessed or how power is achieved kind of defining what we mean by power. I'll probably start there and then we'll go back to the end or sorry, go back to the beginning and talk about how power was once again observed in the, as usual, in the 
16th, you know, 16th century, as we always go to, and then kind of figuring out kind of what the philosophy of power was and how other people were more or less using it. So let's get right into it. Power. What do I mean by power? I don't mean power in the sense of like electricity or current that turns on technology and turns on the machines or the microphone I'm speaking to you on right now. I'm talking about power with respect to ability to impact somebody else's life. And and that can be in a variety of ways. So in the modern day setting, when I say power, it's funny because I feel like almost reflexively, you're thinking about it differently than maybe the way I intended it to. So when I say power, I'm talking about the ability to A, be a manager, for instance, and dictate somebody else's day-to-day activities. I'm talking about power in the form of a child or a toddler in the middle of a grocery store aisle, bawling and wailing up until they get the treat they've been pointing their finger at the entire time their parents been grocery shopping. I'm talking about power in the sense of a political authority determining how much money you're going to get in your stimulus bill as we go through this pandemic. I'm talking about power in the form of, like we just saw in you know pop culture today, how you can be somebody who's deemed powerful by way of having wealth, having fame, having uh, luxury in your life. But at the same time, there are others who can take that from you and impact you and make you feel powerless in the situation you wanted to be in. So I think it's interesting how much power affects us, right? And it's that form of power, being impacted by others. And then I've been reading about it, and it's funny because there is something that there's there's like an invisible line between those who have power and those who don't. And at first I was like, okay, that's a pretty figurative statement, like an invisible line. And in a sense, that's an oxymoron. How will you ever know about an invisible line, right? How can you know when you've passed the threshold of leaving powerlessness to entering a powerful situation? But then when you really take stock of that metaphor, it really is an invisible line. There's no, there's no um, clear distinction between, I shouldn't say there's no clear distinction, but it's not something you can more or less gauge how to go about um, leaving a powerless situation to entering a powerful situation. I shouldn't say you can't gauge it, but I guess what I'm trying to articulate is the difference between somebody who's powerful and powerless is seen in ways that is it's pretty well known, but in order for you as a powerless person to go about achieving that power is not as clear as day as like they would be in a parking spot line. There are divides between a powerful person and a powerless person, but you can't see it unless there's other things ambient around them that describes or more or less uh, manifest that power. So let's use a working example. When I talk about it, I mentioned it earlier, like power in the form of like political authority. It's interesting because many of us live in a democracy right and in that democracy we go about providing votes right and we give somebody the power to govern our communities and govern our political spheres for lack of a better term and we use our quote-unquote power to empower somebody else to become our leader somebody who's going to steward us towards the future hopefully greener pastures as well and then i think what's so interesting is we, a lot of the time, give up our power due to these institutions that have been put in place by the powers that be. And even though we are told that we are powered full by empowering somebody else, we feel so powerless, right? And I know that sounds like a bit of a tongue twister, 
But I think what I'm trying to get to is that it's so funny how powerless we feel a lot of the time to really impact or dictate how our futures can kind of be because there's always somebody else who is in a position to kind of determine how far we go or in a position to determine what kind of access and what kind of lives are going to be provided to us. And then I, it's, I was just like, I'm stammering now because it really is that interesting to me. There's so many times where you're told by somebody who's in a position of power or a, a leader, for instance, who has a power to dictate what you're doing, who tries to empower you by saying, oh, you can do this and you can do that. And this is in your midst. And here's how to go about attaining this. But at the same time, those words that, that once again, this invisible line is still there because it's only up to their authority to determine when you can go about actively engaging and actively executing your own authority or in, in, you know using your own power. So I'm going to provide a diff- another example. There is a company which many of you may or may not have heard of called Salesforce. It's like an enterprise uh, management company. So they provide software that goes about helping enterprises do a variety of different types of transactions, I believe. Like um, they sell a bunch of products, right? And in Salesforce, they decided to have a co-CEO model, which you never really hear about. And what's interesting about the co-CEO model they kind of talked about is they had two CEOs, which at first is like, whoa, why is there this you know dichotomy? Why are there two people who are in the position of power? That's usually going to be problematic. And long story short, it ended up failing because obviously there's two different forms of leadership, two different people who are kind of executing their power in two different ways. And the people they were stewarding had inclinations to go with either one person or dislike the way the other person was executing their power. So the reason why I bring this up is to show you that we as a society have been indoctrinated to believe there are certain power dynamics that we need to appreciate and observe. There's always going to be one de facto leader who's going to be the powerful person who we are subservient to, right? And it's so interesting because a lot of the time we're always perplexed by how that person ascended to that position. So in this situation, the Salesforce team decided to go and do it differently, I guess, to give their employees or to give their constituents a different idea of what the power dynamic could look like. You know, we're going to be avant-garde. We're going to show you a different way of leading people. Right. We're going to do a co-CEO model, have two people who are leading you. And that should be better because where one person falls short, another person can pick up the slack. Failed miserably. So then I'm thinking to myself, OK, how is it that two people were able to ascend to that level and that position? So I'm doing my research now. And without going into detail, it was my understanding was or kind of like the, the rationale I was able to glean was that a person's power is only as strong as a status given to them by others. Like that's the modern interpretation, right? So a lot of the time, the leaders we have, our bosses, our managers, our presidents, our prime ministers, we are giving them the power to lord over us, right? By way of applying for a job, you're automatically applying to be an employee to somebody. And you gripe and moan about having to go in at a certain time. You gripe and moan about not being paid enough. You gripe and moan about the policies and the bylaws and the statutes that are put in place. And it's so counterintuitive because you're giving that person the ability to go about executing that power. Now, don't get me wrong. 
there are established structures and institutions that you and I will not be able to overthrow. And I'm not saying we should all become nomads and go and live in a forest and do our own harvesting of food and agriculture and horticulture, whatever you want to call it, to go about not conforming to the societal structures that are in place. But I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's so funny how the same situations we put ourselves in willingly are the same situations we end up complaining about. And when you think about it from a power dynamic, a lot of the time we're giving the people the ability to be the powerful person. We're giving them the ability to lead and steward our lives. And then we're upset when they're doing it a way that we ourselves are no longer in alignment with. So back to the situation with the co-CEO, they thought, okay, maybe if we this divide that power a little bit. Salesforce was considering having two CEOs for the purposes of maybe avoiding having morale be waned by one particular leadership style or one power dynamic. So if we change it up a little bit, maybe it'll benefit the company, benefit our employees, and obviously benefit their bottom line. Didn't work out. So I was like, okay, what what does power really equal? You know, does it equal having people follow you blindly? Does it equal, like I mentioned before, the status that's given to you by others? So, I mean, we're going to get into it when we get to the wraparound back to the beginning, as we always do. And it's, it's so profound the way I, and I think many of us, once kind of appreciated power. So let's use another example or another interpretation of power. There are many of us who used to believe that power were associated with a couple of things. It was associated with muscles. It was associated with cash. It was associated with votes, right? Power equals the, mo- the amount of money you have. Power is equal to the amount of votes you can get from a your constituents. And power used to be associated with just pure muscle. Who's the strongest of, our, of us all, right? And now in modern day, it's funny because we still believe that power is associated with how much money you have, right? I think there's still an underlying belief that the more money you have, the more powerful you have. And that's because indirectly, the more money you have, you're led to believe there's more access to things that somebody who doesn't have wealth can't have access to, right? But if anything, social media has shown you that you do not, wealth does not beget power. There's no one-to-one causative relationship there. You can be broke as a joke and have a lot of power because it's been exemplified by way of all the influencers who are on social media, right? You're able to once again create an image and that image and the narrative you attach to it provides you with the power to influence somebody else to either make a purchase or follow a trend or, you know, change their life course. There's so much power in people who don't have any money. So that doesn't take away the idea that people with power don't have, sorry, people with cash don't have power. That still probably is the case, but there's, it's not the one-to-one. You don't have to get cash to be able to exact or execute your power. So then I'm thinking to myself, So what path does one take now to achieve power? And then at the same time, what form of power do you want? And what form of power is possible? Like not all of us can be politicians, right? There's only so many limited seats. Not all of us can be rich. Now, I'm not to say that wealth, uh, that money or currency is finite, 
there's tons of it. But at the same time, if it was easy to become rich, everybody would be doing it. So the little power we have is, quote unquote, in the autonomy to control your time, hopefully having sovereignty over what food you eat, hopefully having sovereignty about where you want to live, where you want to go to school. But even then, we don't have power because you're still at the bane of your income and your tax bracket, your socioeconomic status. You're at the bane of being accepted by a certain school. So it's like you're always in this position where we're transacting our power for a little bit of autonomy or a little bit of authority. And then when you get it, the minute you get it, it's taken from you because there's always somebody who has more power than you do. So I'm like in this this entire week, I've been in like this episode of Black Mirror where I'm like oscillating back and forth between like, what power do I really have? And then at the same time, when I have this power, is it really mine for the is it really in my control or is it just a semblance of power? Am I just getting the idea or the feigning that I have power when in fact I really don't? You know, I mean, obviously I have the ability to vote. Obviously I have a little cash in the bank to go and buy something. So there's like little, there's little examples of my power from day to day. But those who have real power are those who can do whatever they want when they want. Those that can impact the lives and impact the activities of others in their midst or far and wide. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, where do those people come from? How do they go about ascending to power? And why are they there? How do they cross that invisible line? How do they know where the line was? So for many of them, obviously, it's because of nepotism. Many of them are born into power. And then it's up to them to not lose it. It's up to them to sustain it. Right. I'm thinking, well, the way they must be able to sustain their power is because the instructions like I talked about earlier on, or at least mentioned that we'll get to later, are ambient to them in their homes. Right. And because I wasn't born into power, I'm not sure about how to attain it. But then you think to yourself, well, the Internet has all the information in the world. How could you not know how to go about attaining power? But then once again, I think it's like the exact same thing we talked about last week. There is information ubiquitous out there, but it's not the true secrets. So it's like, once again, I'm saying once again a lot, but power is this elusive concept to me. It's so, I don't want to say esoteric, but <clears throat> pardon me, seems a little sip of something right now. Yeah. I know it's before the queue, but I had to get a little sip. But yeah, power is just so interesting. Because, I mean, <sighs> I'm just so perplexed by it. Because I feel like every day we're, we're striving for wealth or we're striving for our autonomy, right? I think... When you talk to so many people and you say, you know, what would you do with your life or what would you do? You know, most people say they don't want to go to work, right? Because they feel powerless at work. You feel like you're you're a, you're a, you're a slave to something. You're being told you have to do this team. You're you are being forced into or obligated to work in order to satisfy the responsibilities you've taken on. Whether that be bills, relationships, child rearing, etc. Right. So you have to go to work. Somebody who has power can determine what they want to do with their time. They have sovereignty over their time. And sovereign rule, once again, 
Ta-da, power, right? Being able to determine how, in fact, you want to go about using your time. And a lot of the time, I think we believe attaining power is all determined about how much cash you have, right? And then we've seen again, that's not the case. That's not only the case. You can attain power by joining a political party and getting the votes of others. Or you can get really buff, go to the gym, bench press 300 pounds as many times as you can, blow up, and you'll be deemed powerful, right? But in modern day, that really is no longer the definition of power. It's, I mean, really and truly the power paradox, which we get into, is is more than that, right? There's so many... Power is, is much bigger than just those those things now. Um, we talked about power being defined, once again, as a, as a capacity to alter or have others give you status. I think the other definition now is power is defined as one's capacity to alter another person's condition or state of mind, right? By providing or withholding resources, food, money, knowledge, affection. So I talked about it earlier before to the baby who's in the grocery store aisle exacting their power. And I think another modern day concept is like in relationships, there's many people, many partners, either or, who dictate the power in the relationship by withholding a variety of things, sexual pleasures or uh, emotional manipulation, etc. Then we get into food. There are many people who are starving for food, right? There are a number of countries that are unfortunately not rich in, or I shouldn't even say not rich in resources, but for whatever reason, the powers that be are making it difficult for them to make to meet their daily nutritional needs. And that's how they exact their power. And then the most pivotal holder of power, I think, is knowledge. And the knowledge holders don't impart the salient insights or the insights that really have the most significance, that hold the most significance. They keep those close to their chest because giving those up freely would give too much power to the people that they imparted it to. And I think that is what was really boggling my mind this entire week. There is so much information, there's so much knowledge out there that so many powerful people have. And rightfully so, they're not making it available to everyone because there will be some who abuse it, of course. There will be a lot of people who benefit from it, and there'll be a lot of people who just don't know what to do with it. So I think they believe they are the best keepers of said knowledge because it's an old age adage. Once again, knowledge is power, right? Because once again, if I could have any superpower, it would be to be omniscient, to know all things. Right, because if you know and, and you know everything, then you could execute any idea. Right? Who needs to be super strong? If I know how to make a super strong formula, then I can just make myself super strong. Who needs to be super rich? If I just know how to get all the money, then I can just get super all the money. Right? So knowledge, really, to me, is like the the main power construct. But once again, I have an understanding that the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you can become. But as I continue this journey towards self-edification, um, you know, edifying myself or informing myself through this podcast, through talking with you, through interacting with you, I, I, I feel no more powerless, powerful. And 
it just seems like once again there's this paradox right like where you you're 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 trying to incline inkling more and more towards becoming more powerful by way of having sovereignty over your time having sovereignty over what you can use your money on having the ability to take your loved one on a vacation being able to not sacrifice buying something and buying whatever you want having that luxury having that full control and autonomy to do what you want when you want i think my motivation in life is to continue to move towards that state and the more i learn the more i try and activate that information the more i try to position myself to be able to walk in that walk of life i feel like i'm you know in this stasis where or the inertia just won't let me break hold of where i currently am in terms of power and it's easy to get comfortable in your current situation right because a there are so many barriers in place to make you feel like okay ascending to more heights and reaching those realms of power are afforded to the certain few but why why are only certain few people allowed to ascend to those those heights of power, right? We no longer live in medieval times where princes and kings and queens were the only folks who were allowed to be powerful. You were born into a position and by that by virtue of what position you're born into, that is it. There's no more heights for you to ascend to. And I think this is a natural transition for us to go back to the beginning, you know, let's finish at the beginning. In the 16th century, there's a gentleman by the name of Nico Machiavelli, right? And Nico Machiavelli wrote a piece of literature called The Prince. And it's a classic 16th century treatise that advocates manipulation and occasional cruelty as a best means to power. Now, many of us will probably understand because we've seen so many movies, whether you go on Netflix and watch Vikings whether you watch Thor and hear about how Hela destroyed and they pillaged and robbed the different countries, what do you know about Thanos who used his power to snap his fingers and decimate half of all living things, right? That was how power used to be exacted. That used to be the traditional sense of power, the manipulation and occasional cruelty because you have the power to do so, right? The general theme of the prince, once again written by Nico Machiavelli in the 16th century, is of accepting that the aims of princes, such as glory and survival, can justify the use of immoral means to achieve those ends. So once again, Machiavelli, like I mentioned earlier in the pod, introduced a set of instructions that dictated when you are deemed, when you are deemed, when you are born a prince, when you are born a princess, when you are born royalty, you need to exact a certain level of cruelty and manipulation to become and maintain the power dynamic amongst people, right? This is a time where the strong, quote unquote, those who were given power for no other reason other than just being birthright, where the strong, they preyed on the weak, right? This is a time where to run society, in order for society to run smoothly, they had leaders who believed, I need to rule in fear, not in hope or love, because fear is a bigger motive, is a greater controlling mechanism than love. That is how they believed they were going to maintain their power, right? It said, any man who tries to be good all the time is bound 
to come to ruin among the great number who are not good. Because it's like they say all they thought that, you know, if you're trying to be good all the time, there's obviously going to be bad people in your midst. So why try and be a good leader, a good, powerful holder? You may as well exact a level of fear in all your subordinates. That way, no one would try to overthrow you. And that way, you can maintain your power because they're afraid of you. That is how they used to believe in the 16th century. Whereas today, there isn't any more fear put into your mind. Now it's about just doing with, it's about an inability to cross that invisible line I mentioned before. Now it's about being completely, uh, not effusive, but completely, um, what's the word? I apologize to say this, but you know, it's about keeping it secret, barricading your eyes from seeing what the power is, where they, how to get it, how to attain it. It's about locking it between, you know, crypt and key, the, the, the instructions, the steps. That's what it's about now because so many people from all walks of life have been able to ascend to power and we're led to believe that they're supremely intelligent, they're genius level intellect, or they've done something that was completely phenomenal that it just can't be duplicated. When that's not the case, there are a number of people who are powerful that we don't know that are more clandestine about it. Those are the people who I'm trying to figure out, how did you get there? What did you do? And you could listen to a trillion interviews of powerful people, and they all say the same thing. Work hard, stick to it, and you'll get there. And that's not true, because there are a ton of people who work hard every single day, morning till night, and they're not powerful. They're the most powerless. So I go back to Machiavelli, and with that, Machiavelli goes on to say, a prince who wants to keep his authority must learn how not to be good and use that knowledge, once again, or refrain from using it as necessity requires. So in the age-old medieval times, 16th century times, I should say, the, the governing thinking was, in order to maintain your authority, you must learn how not to be good, right? You must use that knowledge and refrain from using it as necessity requires. I'm shaking my head because it's like, wow, that is how they felt like because they felt like the power was so fleeting. We need to do everything in our power to make those beneath us, those who we are deeming powerless, feel oppressed to the point where they're not able to ascend to that power. Whereas now in modern day, we're given these beacons of hope when we see people who look like us, talk like us, born in the same district, postal code, zip code, same community ascend to power and we're led to believe wow they must have been the chosen one they must be the, the they must have the secret sauce and i think that's a fallacy like it's not it's not that they've been chosen or been you know had divine intervention and were able to ascend it's it's to me it's obviously a combination of luck and simply they had the knowledge they had the tools and the information necessary to go about getting somewhere. And I didn't want to say it either. They've had doors open for them. However they reached them, I don't know, but they were able to get there. So that takes us to, you know, 21st century now. And we have an author by the name of Robert Greene, who many of you might be familiar with this title, wrote The 48 Laws of Power, right? There's a movie about it in The Art of War where there's certain things, there's certain concepts 
that are applicable to all walks of life, right? And especially with the 48 laws of power, there are ways you can go about determining how far to get in life if you follow these 48 laws. Now, 48 might be an arbitrary number. I don't know how he arrived at 48, but I'm going to be led to believe that he went through a variety of deliberations with a number of different people and scoured his resources to dwindle his list down to these 48. But I'm not going to go through all 48 with you. I'm going to list just a couple that I felt were pretty important for the conversation we're talking about today or the topic we're talking about today. So the third law of power, conceal your intentions. So see, still in the same vein of what Machiavelli was talking about, keep that knowledge, refrain from using it only when necessary, okay? The sixth law, court attention at all costs. So he's, Robert's more or less saying you wanna be the center of attention. You wanna ensure people understand how powerful you all are at all times. That way you reinforce that, not school of thought, but you reinforce that, 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 that structural concept in their mind that you are in fact the power holder. Don't forget it, okay? Law 12, use selective honesty and generosity to disarm your victims. Now this one is pretty packed. When you really take it apart, right? It's saying a lot of the same thing we just read about with Machiavelli. It's it's colored with these nice, you know, flowery and nice words about honesty and generosity, but it's saying it to disarm your victims. So there's a predator and prey kind of understanding there. So let me read that law to you again. The 12th law says use selective honesty and generosity to disarm your victims. If you want to be powerful, you have to know when to be kind. You have to know when to be generous, but only do so underneath the pretense that they're aware of. So underneath the false pretense, I should say, of you're doing good to do good because it's a genuine intention of yours. No, use these positive emotions or these positive behaviors to disarm your victims so that you may maintain your power. Use your generosity and honesty in order to pull or glean information that may not have been forthcoming from that person and do so to once again reinforce your position or have a competitive edge to A, maintain your power. The 15th law is another one. This is the second last law I'm going to talk about. Crush your enemy totally. And we see that in so many different ways. When we think about it from a competitive sport, they're going to be the power hold teams, the teams that are just dominating. And they go about winning a game by way of their talent and expertise and skill level. And they completely annihilate you to just destroy your morale. For many of us, we have leaders who consistently use passive aggressive language and are trying to just demoralize you when you make a mistake. So you feel as if you're consistently trying to gain their affection or trying to gain their admiration for your work. But they don't do so because they want to make it so you always feel as if you're trying to uh, achieve some level of recognition. And once you get that recognition, now you can finally feel you're on the same playing field as your leader when that's not what they want to happen. They want you to feel second. They want you to feel below them. It's an art of war. Sorry, it's a law of power. And last but not least, law 18. Keep others in suspended terror. 
So Machiavelli and Robert Greene had a lot in common. They both believed fear. They both believed, uh, I wouldn't say power struggle, but they both believed oppressing and simply just using these tactics is the main way of maintaining power in any relationship and every form in all kind of you know facets of life. And then we talked about it earlier that that's not the case in modern day. Power is not essentially from the person who has the most cash. Power is not only from the person who has big muscles and can physically intimidate you. Power is not only in our political leaders' hands because we give them the votes. We have power. We all have cash. We can all get muscles and we can all go about delivering our votes or, or going to the ballot boxes and submitting our votes for people. So we have power in a variety of different ways. But interestingly enough, a lot of the time, our power is so limited, it doesn't really feel like we have any power at all. So I'm going to drop a, a, a nice little paradox here. I think it's a good point because we're coming towards the end. And I realized I didn't even give you guys a cue to drink. That's crazy. So let me just throw that in right now. Okay. So, I, I mean, I hope you <laughs> I hope you were enjoying this because I got so knee deep into this topic. I didn't even I remember to pause and give you guys an opportunity to go get your beverage. But I think it's good. It's a nice somber time now for me to close and, you know, just provide my, my closing thoughts and really wrap up the edition anyway. So I hope you have your bevy ready. Um, so the power paradox, as I mentioned, power is given to those individuals, groups or nations who advance the interests of the great good in socially intelligent fashion. Yet, unfortunately, having power renders many individuals as impulsive and poorly attuned to others and makes them prone to act abusively and lose the esteem of their peers. So it's, once again, it's talking about people who gain power from their constituents, right? We talked about it earlier on. Power is somebody who's able to... Um, is only as strong as the status given to them by others. So people who've ascended to power are great and are able to do great, great goods or greater good, sorry, in socially intelligent ways. But many of them, when they ascend to this power, due to the impulsivity and poorly attuned constructs around them being powerful, affects them in a way where they're prone to abuse set power and lose the esteem of others around them. And that's what we see a lot of the time. We see a lot of people who ascend to power abuse it. And there's too many examples to count. Because you work so hard to get there, and along that trajectory to ascending to power, I think so many of these people, I know I would, for instance, be like, when I get to this level, I'm going to look back on where I came from and those, my subordinate, not subordinates, my compatriots who are still at that level and do what I can to help them either be more empowered or help them rise. And I feel like so many people probably think that way. But then once you get there, there must be this addictive potential or this addictive property or this, I don't know what it is, a scarcity of the power that becomes more vivid. And because of that, you're less inclined to want to find ways to help others attain it. It's like the ring, you know? You are so enthralled by it. You know, the ring for Lord of the Rings. You get it, and then you're like, okay, there's so many, so much good I can do with it, but wait, wait, I, I just want to hold on to it for a little bit longer. Let me really fully appreciate it before I start giving back. 
And it's so true. It's, it's funny. Like Dave Chappelle made a joke about it too, where he was talking about how, or is it Chris Rock? One of the two. When they finally got wealth and then President Obama came into power and then instituted this, this higher tax hold on people who had money. And he was so disappointed by it. When really and truly, it was all about spreading the wealth. Help those who are impoverished, those who are not making as much money as you have more money. That's how you can help distribute your power. And he was against that idea. But it's like, at one point in time, you weren't wealthy. At one point in time, you would have been jumping from, you know, jumping on cloud nine, hearing about these tax breaks coming to you. So why is it now that when you're now impacted by the tax break, it's no longer enviable? And that's, you know, that's where it all boils down for me. It's just, I don't know. It's like we, we tend to believe that by attaining power will be more effective, it'll be used responsibly, and those who have it will be thinking in the best interest of those before them because they know at one point in time they never had power. There's so many of us who come from humble beginnings and weren't afforded that power. But as I continue to walk in my life and see the world around me, there are many people who are ascending to these new heights of power and are really just providing you a bunch of lip service about how they want to empower you and help you achieve greater heights and have your own power that you can go about executing and have your own power to go about impacting the lives of others. And to me, it's all hogwash. And the reason why I say that is because I have lived experience where that's come to pass. Many people who mention, you know, not forgetting about you when they get to certain places end up forgetting about you end up getting consumed with their power or end up using whatever type of real-time information you don't have access to to govern their next decision. And in my mind, they're allowing the whims and impulses of power to go on affecting their decision-making. So to end off this edition of the True Save Podcast, I want to implore you, all of you who are in your own position of power or who are ascending to positions of power, don't forget that at one point in time you were at a humble beginning and didn't have that power to go about empowering somebody else. Always make sure to use whatever power you've been afforded wisely and always think about a time when you were offering up your power to somebody else to help them achieve and help them do, go on to do great things. And remember that when you are given power, you have the responsibility now to pay it forward and help somebody else achieve. So thank you as always for tuning in and spending another 43 minutes with your guy, Say. This is the 10th edition. Can't wait to be back here again with you guys next week. Have a good one.